0: Welcome to Pass It On with CWR Talent. I'm Corinne Wintersay, and this is my podcast. At CWR Talent, we've dedicated this podcast to aspiring leaders and sharing the experiences of some of the most successful executives in my network. And it's not always the ones at the top. We'll speak to leaders of all styles and hear valuable advice on how to build a rewarding and meaningful career with resilience, tenacity, and balance. For those of you who know me, I've had the pleasure to work with and guide hundreds of the most gifted business leaders over the last 30 years in the hospitality and entertainment industries. My specialty? Discover talent and pass it on. That's it. In simpler terms, I'm a headhunter with a twist. Join me and my very special guests for in-depth Q&A interviews covering our industry's challenges and the current market for talent. This is CWR, and let's pass it on. Welcome to Pass It On, I'm CWR, and on today's pod, I'd love to have an even deeper dive into doing the wild thing and going different in your career. Today's topic asks if you've ever considered making the jump from employee to owner-operator. Here's the real twist to consider. You're a hotelier. How many hoteliers have dreamed of owning their own successful boutique, guest house, or hotel, and finally make their vision and dreams a reality? Even after a lifetime of working for the world's largest, most prestigious hotel brands, the switch to buying, conceptualizing, opening and operating your very own boutique property can be daunting, or the culmination of a career wanting to finally do it your way. It's hard work, this is no picnic, and still there are those among us who have found the means and the intestinal fortitude it takes to do everything yourself. Take all the decisions, execute all the tasks, sell all the rooms, please all the guests, and still have time to make homemade bread and fabulous homemade granola for your guests' brekkies. Now, combine all of that entrepreneurial know-how and the love of simple luxury service delivered by two high-powered human resources, senior executives who love not only the business we're in, but the love of people. Who'd have imagined a switcheroo like this one? Last week, we talked about considering the different, the remote, the desert, or the bush. Now I'd like to take it a bit further and look at not only changing from a huge cocoon of a brand with all the inherent support structures and clear career paths and look at changing function striking out on your own, but within your chosen industry, and thriving. I'd love to invite to pass it on my very special guests, David LeMann and his partner in crime, Marika Schellen, the new proud owners of The Merchant's House Corfu. He currently manages Le Mans HRM based in Athens, Greece, providing strategic HR consultation expertise to various investors or operators for specific projects when more punctual advisory is needed. David's background in all things people began with Starwood Hotels and Resorts as an HR director for the Weston in Melbourne, Australia. After a jump to London to the Sheraton skyline, David rotated for a long expat opportunity to Dubai in the UAE, where he served as regional HR director, Arabian Peninsula for Hilton, and regional director for Middle East Africa for Starwood. While a very compelling industry switch to Qatar Airways presented itself for three years, it gave him the chance to spread his wings to the airlines. He's also a keen aviation fan and a private pilot not that he was flying any of those beasts that we know of. When the merger with Starwood and Marriott came to be, David was asked to join Marriott as chief human resources officer, Middle East Africa, as his long career knowledge of Starwood and the teams helped to smooth the path for that huge and complicated project. But in August 2020, the chance to do new and different came. Now, Marika's career is equally impressive in human resources, beginning with hotel school in The Hague and, interestingly, as an executive housekeeper with Hilton Schiphol in Amsterdam and later switching her track to HR at the Hilton Dubai Creek in the UAE. Then onward as HR director with W in Starwood, London, W Doha, culminating in her most recent responsibilities as HR director, Central London, for all Starwood properties. Following a brief stint at DXB Entertainment in Dubai, Marika most recently served as Area Director HR for Intercontinental Hotel Group's huge triple hotel complex in Dubai Festival City. Then August 2020 came. The jolting element to the story here is how COVID has fast-tracked these major change decisions as many people are experiencing. This is a moment of exceptional pain and tragedy, as much as it is the birth of new and life-changing opportunities. All of you know that I and my affiliate partners are all about future motion and forward thinking. We see very encouraging signs of innovation within hospitality, and I believe truly, while there are many industries barely caring about their customer service standards anymore, using COVID-19 as the ongoing excuse for poor communication, poor service, poor everything, Impeccable service may take longer to deliver, but our standards should never drop on quality. At least we in the hospitality industry are trying as hard as we can to keep relentless service standards high and deliver curated, memorable experiences for those nervous travelers who are finally stepping out. The real wow is now. Not only are these two chugging ahead with developing their strategic HR consultancy services, David and his partner, Marika, decided one day to finally make the plunge and invest in a property to convert as their very own boutique guest house in Old Parithia, northeast of Corfu, Greece. I'd like to welcome to Pass It On our very special guests to tell us about what it's like to switch from the people side of business to the operational side of the independent, privately owned and operated boutique guesthouse in such a fabulous location. Welcome, David and Marika, to Pass It On. Um,
1: hi, Corinne. Uh, thank you for the invitation. We're super excited to be here with you.
0: Hi, Mary. How are you?
2: Good, good, good. We're doing well today.
0: Thank you. I'm intrigued. We're all lifers in the HR functions and many of us have had the itch to buy and convert our own fantastic bargain into a little cool kingdom of our own, but few have had the nerve. I've taken a good look at the photos and it's a lovely little stunner of a 17th century architectural detail preserved and everything. Tell us a little bit about the Merchant's House Corfu and how did this dream come to be?
2: Sure. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about the Merchants' House. So at the moment, it's run as a boutique guest house, as we call it. Uh, But originally, it was um, three traditional houses um, side by side. Um, We are located in a village called Old Parithia or Palia Parithia in Greek. Um, And we're uh, we're under the highest mountain uh, in Corfu, actually. Uh, oh. We're about 400 meters uh, high and the highest mountain is about 900 um, and the three houses were independent and um, they were owned by merchants. So traditionally the upper level of these houses were used as accommodation and then the lower level were used as yeah as the trade. So there was a carpenter here. Uh, Weaver's family and a little Neon grocery. So um, that's kind of the, 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 yeah, the history of the house. Um, and in 2010, the restoration started because the village was kind of abandoned in the 50s. Uh, people fled the village to go further down to the coast. Uh, because tourism was starting to boom and people you know thought they could make a bit more money uh, further down at the coast so the village was abandoned really and um, slowly since the 90s the village has been coming back to life and uh, part of uh, coming back to life is the restoration of the merchant's house uh, so that started in 2010 and which took about two two and a half years um, and the reason also it took such a long time uh, is because the village is uh, a heritage protected village so uh, right. there's a lot of rules regulations around what you can and cannot do and you have to uh, seek approvals for anything you do uh, at the archaeological uh, society here on Corfu so yes. um, yeah so it took, took some time but since around 2012 it's being run as a boutique guest house and since this year it's run by us.
0: No, that that's a fantastic uh, story, and and also to such a, a rich historical area. So it's true. Whenever there's listed buildings, same thing when we're in the renovations in hotels uh, anywhere. When it's listed buildings in Paris, for example, there's a lot of listed buildings, and the, yeah. the rules are end up being absolutely crazy to do anything. But. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in some countries, it's more complicated than others to buy and renovate property to commercialize. And how did that process compare in Greece? And what was, like, your timeline uh, when you bought it to reprepare prepare an opening?
1: Yeah, so a great question, Corinne. Um, I guess it, it's hard for us to make comparisons because it's the first time we've, we've done something like this. Um, but it hasn't been... Uh, Hasn't been plain sailing, that's for sure. But I guess we're fortunate in that um, we purchased the merchant's house, or well, we started the process of purchasing it uh, well over a year ago. Um, so we were the couple that ran it before us. Um, you know, they had put in all the hard work about the restoration. I guess so. <laughs> um, so in that in that sense, we we're, we're fortunate. But we had to go through the process of, um, and this was all during COVID time, of course, so of getting ourselves legalized um, in Greece. Marika's a duchy, so easier for her. Me being a, a UK citizen with Brexit, a little bit more complicated. Yeah. Um, establishing a company, uh, importing uh, capital funds in order to, to buy something. Um, and then the the bureaucratic process of of purchasing it it took us nearly a year um, from sort of making an agreement to actually handing over the cash and getting the keys so it is not uh it's not the simplest Greece is um is probably not as advanced on the online and digital world than other western european countries so there's a lot of going to offices and um and a lot of rubber stamps
0: Oh yeah. I'm sure the bureaucracy is, is, is listed long. Uh, in the meanwhile, I mean, I I was going to ask you later, but what, what's, why Greece?
1: Um, well, we were, um, you know, in Dubai, um, I was working for Marriott as the chief HR officer for Middle East Africa and Marika was area director of HR for Intercon. And, um, I guess, as a result of COVID, um, Marriott had decided to merge their offices between London and Dubai. And um, we decided that um, it was time to fast track those decisions and those dreams that we'd had. And I hear a lot of people with these stories, how COVID has forced decisions that you plan to take, but um, have, have brought them forward. So we had decided we were sitting in Dubai and we had um, pretty much the whole wall of one of our kitchens covered in post-it notes about what are we going to do next.
0: And there was always, <laughs> this,
1: <laughs> yeah, there was always this thing about having a, our own hotel, having been hoteliers all, all our lives. Um, and so, I mean, it was everything. We were thinking about bookshops to real estate agencies to, you know, <laughs> who knows what. Um, but we both had passion for hotels. Then it came to the decision of where, and I think we whittled it down to three post-it notes. One was Thailand, one was Sri Lanka, and one was Greece. And I think what sold us with Greece was um, a. Marika had gone to school here um, as a teenager. So she had some, a little bit of language knowledge and, and some local, local knowledge. Um, and I guess the romantic side of it is is that we got married here as well. In Greece. Oh, so,
0: fantastic! Yeah, that'll yeah, do it to you. <laughs> that'll
1: do it exactly. So it kind of, you know, the planets aligned, I guess, and uh, and we ended up here. But absolutely no regrets about it whatsoever. Um, and and I think it's one of those, um, you know, life changing decisions where, you know, going from you know corporate executive life to running your own business. Um, it's a huge change, but um, but I can't think of anything negative about that change. To be honest,
0: I think I'm sure it's one of those things that's quite humbling when you have to buy your own paperclip.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and no, no stealing the pens from the office stationery cupboard. <laughs>
0: oh that that was my first shock when I went off in, <laughs> into my own brand after working for other people for so many decades you know and with the whole paperclip yeah. thing and I thought where who's got the stapler <laughs> <laughs> but but listen I mean this is fascinating because there you're right there are a lot of these stories and 2020 has been a real game changer for many of us innovating and helping out the industry where we can uh, I believe it's unleashed a lot of creativity in us. And some people are finding that they have multiple passions and now have a chance to give it a go. So Mm. like, what was your turning point to decide to do things differently and offer your combined strategic HR and organizational development expertises privately to clients rather than than as an employee of a very big pond? After all, you both uh, have a very powerful combined experience in our industry that would be highly sought after in in this climate of cost control and lack of revenue and travel restrictions. Uh, outsourcing senior HR or OD is a natural cost saver, and it's almost more efficient with a third party with no dog in the fight. Uh, what do you think? Do you agree?
1: Yeah, I do. I um... So, I mean, we've got two strings to our bow. We we're obviously running, owning, and running the hotel, and then we we do HR consultancy through Le Mans HRM. Um, and I mean, I guess our focus has been on the hotel and more than more than the consultancy, but um, but we've been picking up uh, little bits of business here and there, and um, it's mainly around mainly around. Um, helping startups
0: that don't have their own
1: HR function, big startups as well. Um, And it's getting the foundational elements right, you know, from good HR practice. And that's, it's not about having processes and procedures. It's really, you know, steering, you know, a group of people who've come together into defining their organization, defining their culture, their values, and what they intend to, to become. And how do you Flow those cultural values through all aspects of the organization, from writing a simple mission statement to, to writing policy and procedure. So that's where we've sort of started our specialization. But uh, also, you know, I'm getting lots of interest from companies who, you know, are going through major transition, um, and that could be resizing because of COVID, or, or restructuring, or going through a merger and acquisition as well. So. Having done that myself, like on about three occasions now, being part of an M&A process. Yes, um,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah, we've got a lot of knowledge in that. And um, I think, you know, in, in HR generally, people still want, especially in a bigger organisation, they still want to have somebody to talk to, you know, whether it's about, you know, sort of issues in the workplace or the culture of the workplace. There still needs to be someone there who's whose job it is to be the advocate of of the of the employee but i think there's there's so much process that hr gets caught up in that actually detracts from the true value of what hr professionalism is all about and that's the stuff that can and should be outsourced and and probably a, a fair percentage of that could actually be automated as well
0: Absolutely. And, and what do you both think is the most pressing people issue facing us today? And what HR experts had better wrap their heads around?
1: Um, so I'm doing all the talking here, Corinne. <laughs> um, <coughs> <laughs> well, Marika can can say what, what her belief is as well. But for me, it's um, you, you hear all the adages about um, the old adages about the war on talent and finding the right people and retaining the right people. And I think, you know, in millennial generations. And I think that those conversations have been talked to death already. Um, but what I do think is a new challenge that companies and HR experts need to get their head around pretty, pretty quickly is um, trust. Yeah. And I think there's been a huge devaluation in trust, um, during especially during covid times and you know, i think there have been some very good actors out there who've looked after their employees during these difficult times and and i guess some employees have been in very fortunate locations where the government has stepped in and and supported continued continued employment and percentage of wage pay but there's an awful lot of markets out there where there haven't been those labor protections or government protections and there's some, some organizations and some very big and very well-known ones who've abandoned their, their people within weeks.
0: Yes, I heard this, yes. Yeah. And,
1: you know, I, I see a lot of companies today trying to re-recruit what they let go only a year or a year and a half ago, and they're not finding the
0: people. They cannot. They yeah. cannot.
1: And I, I also think, maybe Marika can speak to this, you know, a lot of people have been working from home.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So the um, yeah, even our I we worked from home uh, during COVID when we were still in Dubai, uh, especially in the beginning. Um, so everybody's gone has gotten used to now working from home, whatever function you're in, except for if you're in an operational role, of course. People are used to it now, and now that you know, if in a few months or so, uh, companies will start asking everybody to return to the office, I think they'll find that. People will be a bit reluctant as well, and uh, they have to regenerate that office culture again, because everybody has been so isolated in that sense, and you can only do so many Zoom calls and you know, uh, and look at each other through a screen, but it doesn't generate the same banter, let's say, the same talks, the same creativity as no, when you are in the office. So I think everybody needs to um, to re. Yeah, re look at how their office culture is as well again, when, when that's possible again.
0: That's for sure. I mean, as you know, uh, I just keep my eye on the talent, where it's going, where it's been. Every general manager in the world is struggling to rehire staff to open their hotels. They all tell me just what you're saying. And still, it uh, seems they all went to Amazon <laughs> or supermarkets. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, it's not helping us attract new people to the profession. So do you think owners will ever accept a lower ROI so GMs could pay their core teams better to begin with?
1: Like I think there's a lot of data out there around, you know, wage cost percentages and and return on investment, whether that's owners' capital return or or P and L return. Good correlation the better you pay your staff you've got you get better service you get better retention you get better returns mm. um it's whether or not people are willing to to analyze that data and apply it to their own businesses i think it's an unfortunate part of the world that you know the labor market is is a supply and demand market and where there is a lie, you know the wages will reflect that and if the if there is a high demand for for people will become you know more competitive and wages will only only naturally go up i mean you look at um it's in the newspaper today in the uk where they're saying you know supermarket shelves are empty because there's a shortage of truck drivers yeah you know wages have gone up 50 100 in the in the driving truck driving market so that will have to there'll be some reflection of something similar maybe not those 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 levels um, yeah, and
0: I, think... I, I wonder if they ever will accept that, because I yes. think this has always been the issue. And then with the lack of revenue, it's it's more of the same. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. But I mean, there are some markets in the world where the government steps in and whether that's, um, you know, something like a minimum wage, um, that's a, a realistic minimum wage. Um, you know, from where I grew up in Australia, there was always a, an award system where, you know the 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 wages were were well defined. You know the hourly rates and the you know the the bonus payments for work work in the evening, work on the weekends, work on public holidays, and and yeah. they're good wages. They're good living wages. So uh, yeah, I guess it's a combination of of industry bodies, of of unions have a role to play in this. Governments have a role, and and not just owners accepting returns, but uh, you know I think most owners will, will want a, a, a decent return on their investment for, for obvious reasons. Of course. Um, but at the same time, there's always that pride element with ownership as well. You want a quality product with quality service and you can, you know, I think most owners are astute enough to know there's a balance in there somewhere that um, you know, if you're not paying your staff well enough, you're gonna have high turnover and bad service eventually.
0: Yes. I mean, this is is for us is the critical moment to inspire or to depress our aspiring leaders and mentors. (laughs) And I believe we really have a chance to inspire people and and excite new talent to join our industry. If only we're really willing to look at the reality of our moment. And this this is the part where we pass it on. What would be your, your best advice to our aspiring leaders who want very much to have a future in our industry, whether it's in the big box brand or opening their very own boutique guest house in Greece? Mm-hmm.
1: Mm. Um, take a risk. If you want to get your own guest house in Greece, um, mm-hmm. you won't regret it. Uh, but I think in, in terms of the corporate world, I think and um, being you know, a long-term HR person, uh, I always found for young people coming into the organization, there was always a bit of a skills gap around communicating and developing relationships and it's something that colleges and universities don't focus on Um, they focus on technical skills and if you believe that old story you know you get hired on your skills and fired on your behaviors Uh, you know and I think by investing as much time in your knowledge bases as as you do in your relationship base and when I say relationships it's not just liking someone and getting on with them, it's how to network, it's how to host a meeting and communicate content across a group of people, it's how to engage stakeholders and it's how to influence others and, and that's influencing your peers and influencing up, up, the, uh, up the hierarchy as well. They're the skills that, in my opinion at least, give you the advancement in your career.
0: Excellent, Marika. What do you think? What do you think is the the one thing that people should keep in mind for their future?
2: Mm, uh, well, first of all, I believe the hospitality industry is one of the most fun industries that anyone can work in. Uh, me personally, it was a great learning school that I've worked for some of the big brands, uh, especially early on in my career. Uh, that gave me a lot of uh, baggage, let's say, to to continue and move on. Um, and also for me, the, some of the best leaders are those that inspire others, right, to follow and to 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 go beyond. Even uh, create a following uh, for yourself, uh, you get a high engaged team, more productive, uh, you get better results. Uh, and what I honestly always enjoyed is that, you know, you get to work with so many people every day. Every day is different. And if you thrive in such an environment, uh, inspire others, then I think, you know, the career will be long and, and excellent. Yeah.
0: No, that's fantastic. I mean, uh, final question I've got for you is, David, you know, in the kitchen, yeah. how's your bread skills?
2: <laughs> oh, <look.
1: laughs> Let me put it this way. Um, we had a um, this French family staying with us the other day, and um, and the, the gentleman, uh, sort of in his 60s, I think he came up to me afterwards, after breakfast, and he said, your bread is amazing. <laughs> 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 and I, So to get a compliment on bread from someone from France, I think that's, that just sums it up. I think that
0: rates yeah. right up there at the top, it really does. <laughs> Hey, listen, thank you both so much for joining me today on Pass It On. I'm delighted that you had the time to share with our listeners a little bit about different and how you can get there. You know, please say you guys will come back and cover some more interesting topics with us.
1: Yep. Well, we definitely. would definitely would love to. And uh, we'd also love to have you come visit us as well in in Corfu. Um, I have a, a special suite for you. It's called the Goosey Suite. Um, <laughs> And Goosey was the name of the, uh, going back about 300 years, was the name of the village donkey. And this this suite was a conversion from where Goosey used to live.
0: Uh, (laughs) That's my my room. I'm there. Listen, guys, (laughs) thanks so much. And we'll come back again and come up with more topics that we can share with our listeners. Thanks so much again.
1: You're most welcome, Corinne. Lovely talking with you.
0: Thank Thank you. you. Bye. Bye. Bye bye. Well, that's all the time we have today, ladies and jelly beans. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Pass It On with CWR Talent. If you'd like to reach out to our guests, please let us know and we'll pass it on. Please give us a follow and a like. And please, please share this with your networks across your social media platforms to reach more aspiring leaders. We appreciate your support. And also, we like to thank our sponsor, Nancy Sharp, from the Cider House Studio, who provides our artwork for our pages. Thank you, Nancy. Nancy makes art that makes people happy. I know it does me. Thank you. See you soon.